Thank you. That was uh, beautiful music. Thank you for the song as well uh, to get us started here. This um, is the day after Christmas. You all know that, right? It's kind of, you know, Christmas Day. Everybody's all thrilled and you come here and they got a sub speaking. Sorry about that. (laughs) No, I'm just kidding. You've probably seen this before, but they uh, they had a report out on the least favorite gifts. Four out of five people's least favorite gift was a fruitcake. And as I go through this, please don't raise your hand and say I, I did this or whatever, because this is this is just we're just telling you what people say. I love fruitcake. Thanks for giving me one, whoever that was. The second one is uh, no gift at all. You don't get a gift. That's people don't like that. So give a gift, right? The third thing was a gift you need to assemble. You've seen those, right? You remember those? I love having children that have grown because when we were, they were little, remember the G.I. Joe? Oh my, those were nightmarish days. I remember those. Uh, the, the fourth one was one of those picture frames where you just hit a button and the pictures keep going. You've seen those. Some of you are shaking your heads thinking, I got one of those. <laughs> But anyway, those are the top four of the least favorite gifts. Then the question was posed to these people, what do they do with their least favorite gifts? The number one answer was regifting, Give them to somebody else. So if you got a fruitcake, it might have been somebody else's before it was yours. <laughs> Check the seal, right? If the seal's broken, that's a dead giveaway. Now, the second thing that people do is they put it in their closet. You've done that, right? You put the gift in the closet, and then they call and say, I'm coming over, and you run, get the gift, and bring it out. Yeah, sure, you do that. Come on, let's be transparent for just a moment. Uh, the other thing is a garage sale, settlement garage sales. Have you ever gone to some your neighbor's garage sale and seen a gift you gave them? That's, uh, those are the things. So anyway, so the holidays, uh, what better day than after Christmas to think about next Christmas, right? Improving our gift giving. How better to do that than to look at the example of God himself? And so this morning, what I would like to do is to share with you four ways to improve your gift giving. And if you open your Bibles to John chapter 3, verse 16, you will discover those four ways. Four ways to improve gift giving. Now remember, John chapter 3 is when Nicodemus came to Jesus to talk about his teachings. You know, Jesus, what are you teaching? What's this all about? Nicodemus went at night. He was a little nervous. He didn't want to be seen hanging out with Jesus because he was a, a man of importance. And so he didn't want to be seen with Jesus. He goes at night and Jesus delivers a message to him. He says to him, I am all about eternity. I'm not about earth. I'm all about the things to come, not the things that are now. He tells him and teaches him, especially in this verse, verse 16, that it is about eternity And the eternal things of life are most important. So let's look together in verse 16 at four ways to improve your giving. The first way to improve your giving is found in verse 16. It says in verse 16, For God so loved the world. For God so loved the world. The first way to improve your giving is to give out of love. To give out of love. God's giving was purely motivated. It's all about love. God did not look at you. God did not look at you and say, wow, if I give them something, they're going to give me something in return. They're really someone special. I would like to have them on my good side, so I will give them something. That's not the way that it worked. 
Instead, God looked and said, I love you. And because I love you, I want to give you something. It is a motivation of love. You know, God wasn't motivated by a desire to have you on his side. God wasn't motivated by being seen by somebody else as being a good giver. You know, he didn't want to look at Gabriel and say, hey, Gabriel, look what I gave to these people. Pretty impressive, right? He doesn't care. Instead, he looks at you and he says, I love you. Here's my son. I love you. Here's my son. Giving that's motivated by love. It is a pure motivation. God certainly wasn't hoping we would return the gift. He wasn't even thinking that. He wasn't thinking, what kind of gift can I give that they will keep? What kind of give, gift can I give? That didn't go into this. What went into it was, I love you. Here's the gift. I love you. I don't know about you, but there is something about that that makes it so much better, isn't it? Thinking and knowing that somebody loves you, that somebody cares, that somebody reaches down and says, I love you. What a marvelous thing. I love Christmas and holidays because I have uh, nine nieces and nephews. I have three brothers-in-laws and three sisters. And we get together, they all hug me. And it's a marvelous feeling for them to say and to express that love to me. It's a great thing. That's what holidays should include, right? But God says, listen, I love you. I love you. Now think about who it is that's saying it. It is God that's saying it. He is the creator of the world. He has all these things that are around. And he looks at you and he says, I love you. It is a gift that is motivated by love. God gave out of love. Giving out of love. Doing out of love. Motivated to share because of love. Everything that God is about, he is saying, I love you. God is love. And as a result of his love, he reaches out to you and says, I love you. Now, I don't know how you or where you are today. It is presumptuous of me to think that everyone in here has a relationship with Jesus Christ. If you don't, what a marvelous starting point for you. Because God looks at you and he doesn't say, oh, you could really use a shave and a haircut. Instead, he looks at you and he says, I love you. Here's my son. And those of you that are here that have a relationship with Jesus Christ, what a marvelous thing it is to know he loves you. He loves you. You see, we need to understand that to improve our gift giving, we need to think in terms of love. I love you. Here's my gift. I love you. Here's what I do. The first way to improve your gift giving is to understand giving by love. Please notice the second way. Giving, it says in verse 16, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son. God's giving was not only motivated by love, but God's giving was costly. Was costly. Now some of you kids are thinking, wow. (laughs) I hope my parents are listening. They'll remember that they should have bought me this amount of money worth of It's not about money. Because how in the world can you imagine putting a price tag on your son's life? There is no price tag. So it's not like he's saying to you, okay, we're having a gift exchange, $5 limit. 
We're having a gift exchange, $25 limit. Instead, he is saying we have a gift exchange, and I'm giving you something that is costly, my son. Notice what he says here. He says his son, someone that is dear to him, dear to him, his son. Now, there, there is a, a marvelous connection between God and his son. And he says, that is the son that I want to give to you. And here's the thing that makes it even more amazing and more costly is because when the gift of his son is given to us, what must Jesus do? Die. Die. It's not like, remember in the Old Testament when Hannah gave Samuel? Samuel was given up by his mother to work in the temple. A noble, marvelous cause. It wasn't about saying, okay, I'm giving you my son and you get to kill him. It wasn't that way at all. He said, if I'm giving you my son, he gets to serve and I'll get to see him. But what God is saying is, I'm giving you my son and he is going to go to the cross and die in your place. That's costly. That's costly. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. A son that's going to go and die on the cross for you. You see, this is about time and energy, isn't it? God did not open heaven and say, take whatever you want. Instead, he considered what it is that is out there. And what is out there is us, those of us that are sinners and understand that. And our need is for him to provide a way for us to come back into relationship with him. And what he does is he, he says, here he is, my son, a costly gift. A gift that was motivated by love, but also one that is costly. No sacrifice was too great to bring its unmeasured intensity home to men and women. Not too costly. You see, God says, here's what you need. Here's what I have for you. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. It's easy to give an extravagant gift. It's easy to give a gift that turns people's heads. It's easy to do those things, but it's more difficult to find that gift that is costly to you because of the time and energy you've put into it and because of the need that it meets in the individual's life, providing for them whatever it is that they have need for at the moment. For us, God says, your need is a savior. Here's my son. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, giving Four ways to improve. The first way is to give out of love. The second way is to give a gift that is costly, time, energy, something that goes into it, to consider those that are receiving it. The third way to improve your giving is to give for others and not for yourself. To give for others and not for yourself. Look at what it says in verse 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whosoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. Now think about this for just a moment. Have you ever done this? You've given a gift hoping that someone will benefit you from that gift, right? The, 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 the bathroom needs a new sink. So for Christmas you buy your husband plumbing tools, right? <laughs> Or you, your, your car, there's a ping and a knock, and so you buy your husband gift cards to Bob Summerall Tire, right? <laughs> because you will be benefited from that. God says, here's my example. My example, let me give something that only benefits you. You. You, you see, there was no fear of God perishing. 
There was no fear of God not being able to attain eternal life. There was no fear of God saying, you know what, I need to give this to them so that I can secure my place in eternity. Instead, he gives a gift that is completely for us, for you, for me. We are the ones that have sinned and come short of what God expects. And as a result of that, God says, here's my son. We're back together. Here's my son. You can experience this eternal life. He says in verse 16, but whosoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. The temptation in our giving is to give something that maybe we can use later, right? But God says, no, this is a gift that is completely for you. It's all about you. It's all about allowing yourself to understand that God has provided for you something that is beyond what he needs and all for what you need. F.F. Bruce is a theologian who writes this. He says he was given so that all, without distinction or exception, who repose their faith on him might be rescued from destruction and blessed with the life that is life indeed. You see, the essence of the saving message is made unmistakably clear here. Whosoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. It is a life that is a, a place of importance in heaven, but also it is a, a, an opportunity for an enriched life here on earth. You see, the reason why Nicodemus came to Jesus is because he was troubled by what was happening. The teachings of Jesus were troubling to him. And so he says, all right, I'm going right to the source, and so I'm going to talk to Jesus. And when Jesus begins to unfold to him what's going on, Nicodemus begins to understand this is not about now. This is about later. This is about eternity. And so what Jesus is offering is something that will change me for what's to come. The new life, the new birth, the transformation that will come as a result of an encounter with Jesus Christ. Faith, believing in him. Your life is changed. So that not only will you enjoy eternity, but even now, your focus is not earthbound, it's heavenbound. He says to us that we are to believe and have the gift of eternal life. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whosoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. I'm sure you've heard this quote before. I'm not sure who said it first, but uh, it goes like this. If our greatest need had been information, God would have sent an educator If our greatest need had been technology, God would have sent us a scientist. If our greatest need had been money, God would have sent us an economist. But since our greatest need was forgiveness, God gave us a Savior. God gave us a Savior. Four ways to improve your gift giving. Motivated by love. Giving a costly gift. Giving a gift that is meant for someone else completely. And the fourth way to improve your gift giving is to understand the simplicity of God's gift. The simplicity of God's gift. Excuse me for just a moment. I've got a little bit of a frog in my throat. The reason why I take this out of my pocket is because I was at a church one time and I had a little bit of a cough and a guy came up to me and he said, I've got something that will take care of that. Don't worry. And he handed me this thing called a fisherman's friend you ever seen those before? Oh. So he gave it to me, and I put it in my suit coat pocket. And I was preaching, and I reached into my pocket, and I thought, you know, I'll be real slick here, and I'll just get it, and I'll put it in, no one will notice. And so I reach in, and I pull it out, and I put it in my mouth. 
And I'm sucking on this thing and sucking on it. I'm thinking, it's not doing anything, but it sure is lasting a long time. And it lasts and it lasts and it lasts. Lasted through the entire message. It's not like I preached a long time, but still, lasted through the whole message. I, I left before everyone, you know, I, I prayed and walked out. And as I walked out, I pulled this thing out of my mouth, and it was the spare button that you keep in your suit pocket. Have you ever, you've seen those? You know, every, every suit has them somewhere. And that's what, it was the button. And so now I pull them out of my pocket, I look at it, and put it in my mouth. So I apologize for that, but, uh, you know, you live and learn. So anyway, the simplicity of God's gift. That's the next part of this. So four ways to improve your gift giving. One way is simplicity. Understanding that this is a simple thing that God gives to us. He says to us, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whosoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. You're sitting here and you're thinking, this is it. It's the day after Christmas and I come to hear John 316. <laughs> I've heard this a million times. A million and one. <laughs> But it's so simple. That's what makes it so marvelous. When you think about Bethlehem, you know, Bethlehem was all about a manger, a stable, a carpenter, the shepherd, a star. Simple stuff. Simple stuff. That's what God's about. God's about making it simple for us to understand that you believe you have eternal life. Simplicity. We get lost in bigness, don't we? We get lost in betterness. We get lost in vastness. The bigger, the better. That's what we need. But God reminds us with His gift of His Son that simplicity works. Simplicity works. The simplicity of His Son. Many of you have believed that the important things of life are supposed to be hard, difficult. You know, you walk out and you go, well, He's not very deep. Because you understood the message. You think, well, it needs to be complex and I need to walk out of here wondering what in the world he said. If you walk out of here wondering what in the world he said, I probably don't even know what I said. Because you see, it's not about trying to confuse you. God isn't about trying to perplex you. God is about saying, this is it. Believe eternal life. I love you. Here's my son. That's what he's about. Simple things of life we forget. Many of us need to, to reflect back on, on just simply being in kindergarten. My wife teaches kindergarten, and, and it's, it's such an enlightening thing for me to go to her classroom. Because you're reminded of how if you can master the simple things of life, you're going to be better off, right? I mean, like she has a, a bathroom next to her room. And right there, there's a sign. It says, roses are red, violets are blue, please flush when you're through, or something like that, right? I mean, that's uncomplicated. It's simple. You don't put those where adults are. And sometimes we should. (laughs) Because we forget that's such a simple thing. Please remember, uh, simple things of life. Share everything, right? There's a little bit of a fracas going on in the classroom. And she says, are you sharing your crayons? Are you sharing those things? Share everything. If we learn to share, that's a simple thing to remember. But it's the simple things of life that we set aside. And, you know, it's got to be more complex than that. But if we step back into kindergarten, remember, don't hit people, right? In kindergarten, don't hit people. Did you hit them? Yeah, I did. Well, say you're sorry and don't do it again. 
If we could remember the simple, how about this? How great would it be? They don't do this anymore. But when I was in kindergarten, do you remember cookies and milk? We'd all stop. They'd serve cookies and milk. And we'd sit there and laugh and drink and that'd be a great thing, wouldn't it? You're in the middle of your work day. We just stop. We say, okay, cookies and milk. Simple things. You see, God wants us to remember and to reflect back on and be an understanding of the simplicity of life. Bethlehem is the model of simplicity. God says to us, you have a need. Here's my son. Need met. Four ways to improve your gift giving. Motivated by love. Understanding that it's costly sometimes. Giving a gift that's for someone else and not for you. And remembering the simplicity of it all. The marvelous thing of John 3.16, it's, it's, it's a marvelous truth. But then what happens is the Apostle Paul in Ephesians chapter 5 takes that truth and says, Okay, now do it. And look what happens. Take your Bibles and turn to Ephesians chapter 5. Ephesians chapter 5. In Ephesians chapter 5 verse 1 it says, be, uh, chapter 5, verse 1, Be imitators of God, therefore as dearly loved children, and live a life of love just as Christ loved us and gave himself uh, up for us as a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. So the simplicity of this message, the marvelous extension of God to us, he now says, now you go and do that. You go and be like me. Uh, This word imitator is the word mimic. You remember that? Mimicking a person. You know, the person puts their hand here, you put your hand here. They put their hand down, you put your hand down. They repeat a word, you repeat a word. Mimic, mimic, mimic. That's what he's saying in verse 1. Be mimics of me. And how do you mimic him? By love. By love. Giving yourself up. Giving yourself up. Being imitators. I have two sons. One is 12, one is 24. My 24-year-old, when he was about three, we were living in a house, and uh, he was getting into things all the time, always getting into stuff. So one time I came home from work, and I sat down on the couch, and I was a little bit tired, and I was thinking, you know, I just want to rest here for a minute. And I hear this commotion in the hallway. And, you know, when you have three-year-olds, that could be anything. So I'm wondering what in the world is happening now. So what I did was I I get up off the couch and I walk down and I go into the hallway and I stop and there's my son right in the middle of the hallway. Well, I wear a size 13 boot shoe and I had work boots and, you know, they were the kind that came up to here and he's three. He was in those work boots trudging down the hall. And I remember getting down on my hands and knees and getting in his face and saying to him, what are you doing? He took his hands and put them on my side of my face. And he looks at me and he says, I want to be just like you. That's what he said. This morning, God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whosoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. And as that gift of love is given to us, God now looks at us and is waiting for us to say, I want to be just like you. And we want to imitate the love of God. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for this time. What a great gift it is 
to us that you have given us your son and that you have preserved for us in your word instructions about life so that as we proceed from this place, we have something to do, something to believe, something to trust in. Thank you, Lord, for your word. And may it encourage us as we proceed from this place. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for your time.